Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only.
All right, we've got three weeks done with the Ravens winning uh, yesterday, Sunday, 27-14 to in another rainy home game. It seems like Joe and the guys excel in the rain. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am uh, I'm doing well. Once again, I was glad to watch the game on television and not be at the game. Now, you went to the game, right? Yeah, we wouldn't miss a game, but they, right. it was a lot, a lot of fun, and I'll take that rain anytime if that's the result guaranteed. So uh, sign me up for that right now. Now, before we get into the actual game, I want to ask you about Ray Lewis. Sure. Because there was a lot being made about the fact that not many people showed up at the Ray Lewis uh, parade that I didn't even know was happening this week that the uh, mayor threw for him. But it seemed like people were excited at the stadium for Ray Lewis. Oh, yeah. I think people were very excited at the stadium. One of the things they had that was just very well run on the Ravens walk. So you go to the game. They had Ray's Hall of Fame bust there. And so Maureen and I got to stop by at 1245. There was a very short line there. But basically, I, I most of that was because the Ravens do a wonderful job of processing people through. So they had a guy there to take your phone a girl to take the picture and then another guy to hand you your phone back. So it was all very quick, get up to the statue, you know, take your picture and go. But there's a lot of people who are interested in it. And we were very lucky. 1245, you wouldn't think there'd be, you know, just five or six people in line, but that, that's what there were. And there seemed to be just moving through people very quickly on the thing. So that's, it was good event. That's awesome. In person, does it look anything more like Ray Lewis? No, no, it really okay. doesn't look like Ray Lewis. It's, it's a, right. it, it, might, it might look like Ray Lewis when he was younger. So they probably got the shape of his face generally correct with the with the sculpting pigs, and then they put features of him from a from a picture from about 1997 on there. Right. I'd like to see the photo that it's based on side by side with it. I don't. I don't think they ever really show the battle scarred, you know, player who's played on both sides of right. the football without a helmet, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. They try. It's like they take their interpretation of what Ray Lewis looks like over all the course of years and make it into one bust that doesn't look like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they gave you a little commemorative coin, also, right? You know, we didn't get ours, so we need to talk to the Ravens about uh, about getting that. But that's uh, it's interesting. Oh, okay. All right. I saw some people posting those online. Um, the Ravens, let's get to the game now, because the Ravens went into this game banged up, and we'd been talking about them being banged up, and uh, Mosley, who we thought, I thought we talked about him being out three to six weeks, suddenly was a game-time decision. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I didn't think there was really ever a chance he was going to play, but it was wet conditions, and that might have sealed the deal for both him and Pierce. Uh, Pierce apparently, Jamison Hemsley reported that he practiced during the week, but he was listed as DNP for the Ravens all three days. So he might have been there or something. I'm not really sure what how that confusion might have occurred. But uh, hopefully Pierce is only a week away. And uh, this is certainly a game where the Ravens went in and being short those two is very significant. It, it's, uh, the Ravens are a lot lighter on the defensive line without Pierce. Uh, in fact, there's some question as to whether they're really heavy enough in terms of their backups at all. But uh, but certainly without Pierce they get they get quite light and then to to not have Mosley at inside linebacker means you're depending on a on a wide range of other pairings to get through the game and we'll talk about that some. Yeah, and it's a game where if you miss the first five minutes, uh, well, I mean, were you even in your seat before the uh, Broncos scored? Oh sure, but we, we, so we unfortunately were there for the block okay. punt. Then, yeah. It, uh, they scored all they were going to score in the first uh, seven minutes and 50-some seconds, and then they were shut out the remainder of the game. So a uh, good good game for the defense after after giving up really what was only one score. The first the first drive was six yards right. to score. So, uh, you know, one play. 
Yeah, um, we talked a lot about when Mosley went down that the helmet went with him. The green dot helmet, the helmet with the mic and the headset went down and how the Ravens struggled with that until they gave it to Weddle after halftime of the last game. So this week, the Ravens went in and just gave it to Weddle to start the game. Yeah, that gave them that gave them a lot of flexibility. So that's a real good point that that by having Weddle call the plays, the announcer was getting into some things about how it's difficult for a safety to call the plays, and I think that is the reason why the Ravens have never given it to Weddle previously. Uh, Dean Pease mentioned it to me once when when I was at the uh, you know he was at the stand and I asked the question, but uh, he said it's harder for the uh, a safety to come back up from covering a nine route, then communicate the signals. Then go back and, you know, the announcer said dance around a little bit so it's not clear whether he or or, uh, Jefferson has whatever responsibilities. Uh, Anyway, whatever the case, it's easier for for a Mike linebacker to do it. The Ravens have always had that done. But in this game, it afforded them a special advantage that by having Weddle have the green dot, it means they can freely substitute at that inside linebacker position. So they had five different guys line up at those two spots where they wouldn't have had those kind of options if Mosley was was wearing the helmet. Right, so it allowed those guys fresher legs, fresher bodies in, into those slots. Yeah, you get, you get fresh legs and you get different defensive alignments. So let's go through this a little bit. They had, they had Young out there, Kenny Young out there for 38 snaps, and he was certainly the best of the, of the outside linebacker group. Uh, Awasu had an interception. He made two tackles that were 15 and 8 yards from the line of scrimmage. So honestly, in terms of other contributions, he didn't do much. But he at least had the interception, which is a very big play. McClellan was out there for 20 snaps. Levine, who is a dimeback but plays obviously in an inside linebacker position, it was out there for 23. And Clark was out there for eight snaps. And of the various alignments that went, and they had 10 different alignments of those two guys. And so one of the things I decided to do after the game was I have who's on the field for every play. So I was trying to see a little bit of what combinations really worked and, and didn't. And the only combination that really didn't work was Awasu and McClellan. They were together for five snaps and gave up 13.2 yards per play when they were on the field together. Otherwise, everything pretty well worked. Everything involving Young worked when they were playing the dime. And... Uh, at one point, they played the quarter defense for three plays at the end of the half. Now, I, I just want to remind the listeners that the quarter defense is seven defensive backs. And they, it was a very unique, very unique, that's not true, right? It was a unique quarter in that it had a front line of four outside linebackers to go with that those seven DBs. So I, I question whether that's ever happened in NFL history before. Uh, that you'd have a, a package like that on the field at one time. But I would bet not, but you know, this, this was a, a very interesting package, and I'm loving the creativity that Martindale brings to a line in the defense like that. Right, and that's, I mean, that's what you keep pointing out about Martindale, that he keeps changing things, which is amazing because he didn't change anything in the preseason. Preseason he played really dry and stale, and think, now now he's changing it all the time. And now we've we've been through the nickel, we've been through the big nickel, we've been through the dime, and now we got the quarter. Yeah, we have a jumbo nickel. We've had five outside linebackers on the field. The, the really interesting thing is are these multiple outside linebacker packages. They played three snaps in the first game with five outside linebackers, and they played three snaps in this game with four outside linebackers on the field. So those are all the times they've had more than three on the field. The results of those six plays were sack. Interception, sack, incomplete pass, sack, incomplete pass. That's a hell of a defense right there. And I hope we'll, we'll see some more of these extreme defenses as, as they go up. 
One thing that we saw in this game a lot was the Ravens were playing the dime on first down, particularly up 13 in the fourth quarter, and the Broncos were still trying to run against it. And, and the Ravens had modest success stopping it. It's certainly pretty good at that point in the game when you're stopping runners for five or five and a half yards a carry, uh, a carry and they're probably doing a little bit better than that. Uh, so I even though the Ravens had the dime on the field, they, they were able to do a, a good job even against the run. I hope that'll give them the confidence to play that more. Okay. that That's good to hear. Um, at at two and one, what is it that we've really learned about this defense? Is it more of that they play well as a whole? Is it the is it is it what we've learned about Martindale? That's that's the big takeaway. Yeah, I I I, I like the coaching. Uh, you know, I like what the, the their ability to to play all these different packages. It's a lot more varied than what Dean Pease did, obviously. Um, I I don't think we've seen really seen. Martindale under severe duress yet, so maybe we'll still learn. You know how it says you really learn about people's personality under stress. All right, so Sunday night in Heinz Field. Yeah, that should that should be good. We, we just as an aside, I used to go to to Las Vegas all the time, and what I would say is you meet more weirdos in a week in Las Vegas than you meet in your whole life back home, and and the, the reason is actually fairly understandable. It's it's people's worst characteristics come out under stress. And nothing is more stressful than losing money gambling. So when, when you meet people and they've lost money gambling, they're acting like complete flakes, and you uh, you, you really get a view of the entire spectrum. Right, right. Um, all right, so we've had all these different packages, guys that you would pull into plays that you normally aren't. So that means a lot of substitutions, and the Ravens have struggled with this. Yeah, so again, some problems with substitution in this game. They... For the second time in three games, they were caught with 10 men on the field. And that happened in quarter four, 11.41 left in the in the game, if you want to go take a look at that on, on Game Pass. Um, but they didn't have a right outside linebacker on the field on that play. It looked like Carr noticed it before the play and was kind of pointing at it. Uh, fortunately, Carr and Weddle converged to contain a run play that was reversed to that side for a gain of just one. So they got away with it. But, you know, if you're talking hockey, for instance— if you give up enough power plays, the other team is eventually going to score. So the Ravens have got to find a way to get this fixed so they don't keep having 10 men on the field. PFDF showed something, and I don't remember what this was, 2015 or 16, but they had they had a year and they had a total of 32 times in the entire season had a team played with 10 men on the field. And 16 of those were the Arizona Cardinals. We do not want to be the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I agree with that. Um, the Broncos they did, had the same issues though. They did so they they put twelve men on the field in the huddle uh, on fourth and one as as they're trying to score the uh, the, the game tying make the game tying score and obviously their problem looked more serious when they got penalized for it uh, than the Ravens did. The Ravens also, by the way, had twelve men on the field and forced Harbaugh to call a timeout on defense. Uh, that I'm sure was very frustrating to him. So, uh, you know, a variety of problems going on here. The Broncos were the were the losers in any kind of aggregate sense in this game for the for the substitution errors. But the Ravens really have to fix this hole in the ship before it before it causes a sink. Right. And Harbaugh seemed upset about this and and was talking about this as an issue, but he wasn't calling out players. Does this mean it's a coaching issue? 
Yeah, see, that's my interpretation of it, Josh. I, I would agree with that. Uh, for one thing, if an outside linebacker was missing on the field, to me, if, if there was an outside linebacker who didn't get on the field, that's a hanging offense. In fact, a few years ago, they cut Shockey Brown uh, the the week after he failed to be in on a third and 33 play at Pittsburgh. He's the nickel, and he, and he somehow wasn't on the field on third and 33. But anyway, if, if it was a player's mistake, I think he would have sat at least for the rest of the game. And there were 18 snaps remaining in the game, and all five outside linebackers played at least five of those snaps. So I don't think it was a player. And I think Harbaugh really blames the coaching for this one, for the, the call not getting relayed properly, or maybe it was a it was part of the fact that, that Denver was playing no huddle and, and it was difficult to make those substitutions. But whatever the reason, I don't think Harbaugh blames the players this game. Right, and it's hard to put a coach in the doghouse. Well, if you do, you don't throw him under the bus. You just talk to him privately. If you're going to fire him, you fire him. But you don't. Uh, you, you there's no point in making a public spectacle out of it. Right, right. Um, all right, let's get to the Ravens and on the field. Let's talk about this pass rush. So they had three sacks yesterday. Yeah, so three sacks all came in the first half, and and the pass rush was just relentless in that first half. So uh, we use the ample time and space me- uh, metric that we've talked about many times, but Keenan only had ample time and space on three of 15 dropbacks in the first half, only 20%. Uh, He was sacked three times. There was another sack that was wiped out by a defensive holding call on Jefferson. And then there were four other quarterback hits. They knocked him down eight times in that first half. And that's how you hold it. That was just on 15 dropbacks. That's how you do it to a team and hold them to two and a half yards per pass play. Uh, And uh, Keenum was a very rattled guy in that first half. Second half? not quite as good a situation. So first of all, Keenum had more ample time space. The Ravens didn't get to him in the second half. Um, What they did do is draw three holding penalties on pass plays, and those really helped stall each of the drives. So that was a very good job they did in terms of of winning those one-on-one matchups still. Uh, Denver did some unbelievable things to tackle players that they were beaten by, and uh, and that was uh, part of how that worked out. But anyway, the, the the Broncos averaged 6.2 yards per play, not a world-topping chart number, not a chart-topping number, but much better in the second half. I just think it's a little bit overstated by the fact that those three holding calls are not included in it. Um, right. It, it, uh, it went well anyway. So to talk a little bit about other characteristics of the pass rush in this game, they didn't really rush numbers. It was mostly a three- and four-man pass rush 62% of the time. That's 23 out of 37. Uh What's nice about this Ravens defense so far is that they've sacked the quarterback 7.7% of the time. That's 6 out of 78 so far of four-man pass rushes through three games. And that's a great number. That's the second highest in team history if it stands up. It'll be only second to the 2016, which was an amazing 9.6% sack rate with a four-man rush. All right. And then all of this pass rush should just increase because Jimmy Smith comes back this week, right? Yeah, so that'll help a lot. I, I, they, they, uh, Jimmy Smith is back in week five. Oh, so week five. So we got, we've yeah. got one more without him. One more to get through, and it's going to be a tough one against the Steelers. Obviously, they have a lot of weapons. But uh, uh, it, it will really help the pass rush to have a, a nice island cornerback that they can depend on. Uh, this was a game where Carr, frankly, they went after quite a bit. And we can talk about Carr now or later, Josh, depending on how you want for the flow of the show. But, but Carr was very picked on in this game. Uh, maybe we'll put, we'll put off for a little yeah. later. I, I do want to say this one more thing about the pass rush, though. Yep. Numbers, he's not like the 2006 pass rush in terms of, of the numbers he's sending relative to how many Ryan was willing to commit to the pass rush. 
But Martindale has really kept up with the deceptive blitzing. He had six that I classified as deceptive in this game, 17 blitzers from off the line of scrimmage. So he's right on par with Ryan now through three games. He called eight stunts, and he dropped two from the line of scrimmage on three, three other occasions. So those are the major elements of deception that I count. Uh, right on par with the 2006 Ryan unit in terms of those elements of, de- of deception. So uh, that's, a, that's a good unit to be in the neighborhood with. He'd have more sacks, I'm sure, if they had more numbers that they were sending on the individual plays. But uh, that may increase, as you said, when Jimmy Smith comes back. Right. Uh, exactly. And let's get to Carr. Let's just talk. Let's talk about some uh, individual people right now. And let's start with Carr because he was being picked on. Yeah. So difficult. Difficult game in that second half. Uh, Keenum didn't have time to find anybody in that first half. But in the second half, he didn't really go to a particular receiver as much as he picked on Brandon Carr just play after play. So he found a range in the second half where he was either uh, throwing to Carr's assignment when Carr was soft, or he was throwing the ball over the head of Carr such that to a spot such that the receiver would get there. And Carr is forced into, into being able to accomplish two things. One is stay with that receiver, and the other is find the ball in the air. And he wasn't able to do both of those things on any of the plays. And he ended up giving up a bunch of receptions. I have receptions of 16, 12, 4 with a missed tackle, 5, 22, 8, and 21 in this game. That's a lot for one game. He tossed in a, a, a defensive pass interference play uh, as well. He had a 39-yard pass play that was negated by a holding call. And then he also uh, um, uh, gave up an uncontested drop at the end of the first half that could have converted a first down and kept the Ravens from getting that field goal at the end of the half. So difficult day for Brandon Carr, and, and hopefully he can uh, find his game a little more, maybe on a drier field under better conditions, because the Ravens really need him to play better than he has, in, in the, better than he did in this third game. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, let's get to some of the guys in that line that we're filling in for Mosley. And let's start with Young, because last week we said – we saw some promise and stuff from him. So here we got to play more. Yeah, 10, 10 tackles from Kenny Young in 38 snaps. So that, to start with that, that's terrific. He is a gambling fool. So he is, he is gambling almost every snap in, in seeing a gap, taking a gap, seeing if he can make a play through that gap. And I, I think it's very valuable to have a guy like that on the defense. And we've talked about this in the past, but I guess it's worth reiterating one more time that it's, it's worth having a guy who gambles – and can give you variation of result. So, for example, you wouldn't want a defense that gave up four yards every single play. You'd much rather have a defense that gives up zero or eight because if you get four yards every single play, you get 12 yards every three plays, and you convert every first down, and you just roll right down the field. But if you get zero or eight on a coin flip basis, let's say, you get the other guy to fourth and two half the time. So that's a a much better – position to be in and and young being a gambler creates more of those splash plays to go along with some errors behind him now what goes well with kenny young being a gambler is having other players behind him who are very secure and disciplined players and i think tony jefferson falls into that category and mcclellan falls into that category as as being guys who will pick up on the errors that are made in front of them and so it's it's a it's a good good pairing with Young to make splash plays, and these guys to to clean up the mess he leaves when he shoots the wrong gap. All right, and um, 
All right, let's talk about the old guy on the field, Terrell Suggs, who is still, I think every time we get these national announcers, they're always impressed that he, Suggs is out there playing like he's way younger than he is. Yeah, so it's just it's amazing to me. But I think Martindale has is going to help Suggs extend his career here. I mean, what's what I'm seeing right now, you know, you're always at risk. We know that the next injury for Terrell could well be the end of his career. But it's – he is being paced very well, and and I take it from this game, and he made a lot of good plays all through the game. He had a sack and a half in the first half. Uh, he did get beat on a couple of the run plays early. He actually had a hand in each of the two touchdowns, including not maintaining backside contain on the reverse to Sanders for 35 yards to to score. But in the second half, he drew a holding call. He had you know he had this sack fumble in the first half for 12 yards that really got him out of a second and one situation then he had another half sack that he shared with Judon and then he still had enough of the game because he'd only played 38 snaps that on the very last 4 minutes of the game they're at second and one at the 6 yard line Suggs sheds bowls the left tackle and takes down Freeman for a loss of for no gain the next play he, moved, he worked off the left guard, took down Freeman for another no gain, so it's third and one. Then they had that stupid 12-man-on-the-field penalty to back him up to fourth and six, and right. then Suggs came unblocked for pressure, and Keenum threw incomplete in a hurried manner on fourth and six. So Suggs made three big plays there at the end of the ball game, despite the fact that he'd already played 30, 35 snaps, or perhaps because of the fact that he'd only played 35 snaps going into those final three. So 38 snaps for the game for Suggs, very good uh, pacing of his effort, and the and the reason they were able to do that is because they, they got Tim Williams on the field for 19 snaps, which I think are a lot of people are very happy to see. He had a good pressure game as well. That's great. Uh, how about Zadarius Smith? Zadarius Smith, four quarterback hits in the span of nine pass snaps in that first half. So in a lot of ways, he was the Ravens' pass rush. He had one sack that was a, a very fast developing sack off the edge. Uh, his other hits were fairly fast developing too. They weren't uh, they weren't slow ones, and and they were uh, exciting hard hits. The the first one is the only one where uh, where Keenum really got off a good pass, but uh, he otherwise was terrific. And he is having that really top shelf contract year. The Ravens, I'm sure, hope he, and I'm sure his agent and he hoped he would have. He'll be a he'll be a very hot commodity after this season. And he avoided that tricky roughing the passer penalty. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. Now you've got Brandon Williams, Chris Warmly, and Brett Urban all grouped together like they're one guy. Well, the, the defensive line I thought played pretty well as a group, and while they weren't ideal against the run, they gave up five yards per um, uh, per run play, five yards per carry in this game. There were several factors that kind of fit together on that. It, it was they were light. They obviously didn't have C.J. Mosley. That's that's not a great place to start with in terms of the inside linebacker. Uh, they had that well blocked and well designed reverse that caused even Charles Suggs, who's a very savvy player, to bite on the fake and then not be able to follow Sanders for a 35-yard touchdown. So right there, that's going to impact your yards per carry significantly. But there's another factor involved: is that all the guys on the line have to kind of play a heavier spot when Pierce is out. So Pierce is the jumbo who plays nose tackle when he's in there. Brandon Williams, he certainly used to be a nose tackle and is used to being the heaviest guy, but he's really a three-tech and nose tackle split guy. So by having him play only nose tackle, he's got to play a heavier position than, than he's used to. His is the least adjustment because it's probably only a third of a step up in terms of the heaviness of the position. Patrick Ricard only got on the field for eight snaps, so he didn't really contribute in the way I would have hoped as a backup nose and a backup three-tech, so that was kind of unfortunate. 
Uh, you know, the other guy who, who made his NFL debut was Zach Sealer. Uh, unfortunately, did not have really a great game. He didn't do anything personally that was noteworthy, and the Ravens gave up a significant number of yards while he was on per play. So just to give this, Sealer, 7.2 yards per play with him on the field. So 9.0 on the run plays with him on the field. So, uh, you know, not his, not the NFL debut he would have liked, but we'll see more of Zach, and I'm sure he'll be a good one. Uh, in terms of... of uh, uh, Urban, I thought, had a terrific game. Brandon Williams got good pressure during the game. And Chris Wormley was a guy who has kind of a, a rep as being not a great run defender. But I think he's, he's been a very stout uh, player in terms of holding his, his gap assignments. And the Ravens averaged only 3.3 yards per carry on the run snaps. With, sorry, the, uh, the Broncos averaged only 3.3 yards per carry when Wormley was in the game. So he played 32 snaps and got 32 snaps out of uh, Urban and 33 snaps out of Williams. So everybody, uh, uh, everybody played either 32 or 33 snaps among the big three, and that's very good pacing. Those are not going to be totals that keep people tired. So I'm really liking the rotation on this team. All right, that's that's exciting to hear, and uh, especially when we're getting healthier. I assume that uh, Mosley will be back on Sunday. Oh, uh, that would be I mean, terrific if true. I do not assume that. But I know, I know it's, I know it's rough to make an assumption. But when, when he practiced one day this past week, and I, you know that everyone in that locker room does whatever they can do to make it up for a Steelers game. Yeah, that's so. a that's a good point. So they they'll try. There's talk that Hayden Hurst is going to practice this week, and uh, Harbaugh said he had the better chance between him and. Uh, and Hayden, and sorry, not Hayden Hurst, but uh, a Willie Henry of coming right. back. But that Willie Henry also may practice for the first time. Okay. So that's very exciting, and uh, and we'll see how that uh, how that plays out this week. All right, I want to, yeah, we'll get to Hayden Hurst on the offensive side because I'm really liking this Mark Andrews kid, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the how the Ravens make room for Hayden Hurst on this tight end package. Yeah. So we we just. Max Williams left the field. I don't know what happened to him, but if he's injured, that'll give the Ravens any excuse they need to uh, probably to move him to IR if if uh, it, when Hayden is ready to come back. Okay. All right. So IR is using that little trickery to make room. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to the MVPs for the game. Okay. Well, my number one is Terrell Suggs. Just a boatload of plays. Your number. And- you're jumping right to your number one. Sorry, I should start with number three, shouldn't I? We normally go number. I mean, we all. If you've listened to the show before, you know that if Terrell Suggs has a good game, he immediately jumps to your number one. Uh, you know, he just it's the kind of impact he has on the game. But Kenny Young is my number three. I'll I'll start with him. He did a uh, uh, a fine job filling in for Mosley, and and uh, lots of gambling both ways. More often worked out than not. Uh, he drew a holding call, which was nice. He had a sack that was washed out by penalty. Ten tackles, just a, a, a fine performance. I think even more I like the, the, the portent, what, what this says about his future, than, than what it actually was in terms of a performance in this game. But good game from Kenny Young. Yeah, uh, my number three is Peanut for, because his interception kind of put the game away, and he really deserved that pick six. It was unfortunate that it got caught back. Yeah, that's a shame. It, re- it really was. It was, a, it was a nice pick, athletic pick way out to the side, and, and he doesn't make a lot of plays on the football. That's just right. a very nice uh, nice thing to see from him. My number two, Zadarius Smith, uh, he was just a one-man pass rush in that first half with four quarterback hits in a, in a nine-snap, uh, and that's nine pass snaps that he was in for uh, segment. So uh, very impressive first half, and uh, he's my number two. 
Uh, my number two is Philip Lindsay. Because if you want to just take yourself out of the game early when you're a major part of that offense, I'm all for that. Yeah, that uh, that helped the Ravens significantly there, I'll tell you. Humphrey said he didn't even know he, he was being punched by Philip Lindsay and he was hit the bottom of the pile, but apparently it was something Humphrey had done that, that right. caused it. So it's well, and it, it doesn't make sense because if you're going to punch someone, you don't punch their helmet in the middle of a pile. Like, that's <laughs> not going to do anything. Right. Especially with a ref at your like you're at a ref's feet at that point. Yep. All right. Get into uh Terrell Suggs, your number one. Num- number one. Terrell Suggs, all kinds of positive events. Uh uh I think I've explained myself already. Yep. And my number one is Martindale because I'm loving the mixing up of the packages. You know, I like your choice there too. All good all good ones there, Josh. Yeah, all pretty serious picks. There was no comment of the rain or uh no raccoon this time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, all right, uh, let's let's get to the mailbag. Like always, send in your questions on Twitter using the hashtag Film Study Mailbag. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's start off with Minion Hunter, who I think he had a microphone in my studio because he asks, "Did the Broncos uh, reporter have something? Uh, no, did the Broncos reporter quit and back out of our show because Josh threatened to bring up the Mile High Miracle?" And yes, I did threaten to bring up the Mile High Miracle. I don't think that's why I backed out, but I do want to just point out that we will be bringing those shows back with the preview show this week. Yes, that, we're, that we're looking forward to that, and, and we'll, we'll be talking with Alex Kazora, uh, who is a Steelers expert and uh, someone I really respect in terms of what he puts out on Twitter and, and what he writes about. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to him, and, and I imagine it'll be a pretty long conversation. So uh, we'll, we have not yet fixed a time that I'm aware of on that, Josh, but we'll, uh, we'll have it for you. It'll be Ooh. no later than Thursday. It'll be out there for fans. Yep, we've got, don't worry. We've got a little extra time. We've got until Sunday at 8 p.m. now. There you go. So, all right, uh, multiple questions, and this doesn't fall under defense or offense. It's special teams, but I want to bring it up now, and it's please talk on your show about the latest news on the line jump shenanigans, which led to the field goal block. Okay, well, I was at the game, and I thought, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's not allowed. And apparently, there are certain conditions under which it's allowed. So, but it has to be all of the following: that you have to be able to jump over the line of scrimmage not make contact with any lineman and you have to do so from a standing start within one yard of the line of scrimmage so you can't take a running start to jump over the line of scrimmage they got rid of that right and obviously you know they're in a position with a 42 yard field goal they'd like to try anything they can to keep tucker from getting that kick off because if he gets a kick in the air it's probably going to be good and we've seen uh, let's see pittsburgh try and Take care of Tucker that way. We've seen New England try and do it. Uh, it's not like I blame them for doing it. They just the referees got to get the call right on that one, and the officials uh, kind of choked on this one. Right, and that's a that's a rule that they I thought it was this past season they put in or the season before, and it clearly they didn't follow those rules. The guy had a run and start, and and it's very fortunate for the refs that the game was uh, easily won by the Ravens and not a close two three point game. Yeah, it's, that's one of those things that the the Ravens could have gotten a, an apology from the league if something had been done right. properly. Yeah, but an apology doesn't give you a win. No, no, it doesn't. All right, Rob Shield asks, what do you think of the Ravens' usage of Jefferson? Well, you know, I really like what Jefferson brings to this defense. And I know we've gotten a fair number of questions about TJ and, and, and a fair number of chatter on Twitter about it. So let me just let me just 
talk a little bit about what I think he brings to the defense. It's absolutely true that usage-wise, he is a much better player on the front end, defending against the run, playing kind of in the box. But there's even a second value that we need to ascribe to Jefferson properly, is that he can be the makeup player for Kenny Young. So Kenny Young takes chances. That's great. Gets in the backfield, makes splash plays. When he doesn't, you got a sure tackler and Jefferson behind him. I think that Jefferson has done good things in terms of his short area coverage skills. So that's not an issue for him. And what he did very well at um, uh, Arizona was the ability to cover tight ends in man-to-man. And I, I hope he's used some in that position. Pease used him occasionally in that role, particularly in the second half of last year. I think maybe we'll see more of that from Martindale. And the other thing to know is that Jefferson is still 26 years old, I believe, and is still uh, you know, improving as a player. So normally you get a free agent. You can't expect improvement in the future. But in his case, I think you can. He's uh, uh, showed some flashes as a center fielder already, including the interception against the Bills, where he was, you know, behind the other receivers and was was playing the football or the deflection. And that's classic Ed Reed center field play. So we need to do two things. One is realize that Tony Jefferson is bringing a lot of value to this defense currently in terms of what he does against the run and, and his play in the box in general. Realize that he's helping out Kenny Young. And then realize that there's also things on the back end that he's still improving on and he can be a better player. So I'm still very excited about who we have in, in terms of that signing. All right, next question up. What is going on with Matt Judon? He looks like he has regressed. Okay, so so uh, what, he, what I say he's regressed, all of the outside linebackers are in the unfavorable position that they're getting less snaps than they would probably like. And that certainly includes Judon. Uh, you know, he's got to give up some snaps to Bowser, and he's down from about 70% of snaps last year to 61% of snaps this year. I'm sure it's not what he would prefer, but I don't really feel like he's 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 not playing as well. He had a half sack in this game. Uh, there are some things he you know that didn't look good, like the block and the back penalty, but that's a correctable problem. I, I don't look at that as something. It didn't cost him this game, and I don't think it should cost him a future game because he should really learn from it. So... Uh, I don't look at that with any negative uh, projection for the rest of his career. So, you know, has Matt Judon regressed? I, I think I still have high hopes for him this year. All right. Uh, that's great. All right. This is our defensive talk. We're going to go with the offensive breakdown on uh, Tuesday night. We normally get to that as we get ready for Steelers week upcoming. And you've already mentioned, Ken, that we've got a, we'll have a Steeler guest at the end of the week as well. So what's going on over at Russell Street Report? Well, so my article is out today. We'll have an offensive line article. They'll probably be up on Wednesday. The work on that starts tonight. And uh, I hope you'll take a read. Check me out on, on Twitter, at Film Study Ravens. And love to get your questions there. I take them during the day. And you get a lot of good opportunity to figure out who good Baltimore follows are for football. If you want a high level of football discussion, just toss a question out there and see how the discussion gets going among the football analyst community here because it's pretty good. You've got some good people that uh, that I think you'll you'll enjoy following. Anyway, uh, uh, Josh, we also want to talk about uh, uh, Birdland Sports. Yep. Yeah. So I and I'm sometimes I get tagged on those Twitter conversations and I stay quiet because I'm not one of those really smart people with the NFL. But it is always interesting to see the conversations. And you should still follow Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Still at- follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka. Um, I'll definitely uh, tweet during the game and stuff. It's just not analysis. It's more yelling at the TV. 
Uh, yeah, Birdland Sports and Section 336 is my stuff. Birdland Sports is a collection of a whole bunch of cool podcasts, both Ravens and Orioles. And Section 336 is my podcast that I do with my brother and brother-in-law talking all things Baltimore sports. And uh, tonight we're going to try doing a little live stream on Twitter, and we'll see how that goes. That'll be the new thing for Monday night's show. Huh, that's interesting. So it's going to actually have photographs of you guys as you're going? No, that kind of... no it's going to be video. It's going to be video. our whole, It's going to be our show on Twitter. If you open up your Twitter app after like 7.30 tonight, it'll show like in the top left corner, it'll say Section 336 is live. Got to check that out. And you'll be able to right. uh, get involved. So this recording, most people will listen to this after it. But you'll know to watch for it next Monday because if tonight's a success, it'll continue. Okay, life's good, Josh. So, all right, Ken. Well, enjoy your evening. We will talk soon about the offense. All right, take it easy, Josh. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.